There you go. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, we have extra our uh, small groups tonight, which I think is very, very productive. They are very productive. They touch people's lives and they meet people right where they're at. And they establish relationships and help people find a place, find freedom, and find friendship. And that's important. <clears throat> so that leaves me with you. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. And uh, so we are in a faith revolution. And that simply means, a, a revolution means that if you are uncomfortable with what's going on, if you're not satisfied with what's going on, then it calls upon you to rally and to change, come against the forces that have put you where you are. So let's go to Mark, the fourth chapter, verse 35. We're going to be talking about uh, faith tonight. And uh, I love talking about faith. That's why I'm here. God sent me here to Bakken's to preach faith. He told me, preach faith. And I said, why? He said, because there's so much unbelief in the church. And uh, we sometimes don't recognize it, but it is. So we're going to start today at Mark, the fourth chapter, verse 35. This is a storm that is not in line with God. Of course, we all know that storms don't come from God, but we also know that we can discover God in new ways if we seek him in the midst of those storms. And so in verse 35 it says, And the same day when the evening was come, he, Jesus, said unto them, Let us go unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was, into the ship. And they were also with them other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And when he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose, rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, the disciples, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is typical response from the devil according to the obedience of people. Anytime that you set out to do what God wants you to do, how many of you know the devil some way wakes up? Doesn't matter how quiet you're trying to be, he knows what's going on. Jesus said, let us go to the other side. Now we know that Jesus didn't come to do his own will, but the will of the Father. 
He says, I do nothing except I hear or see my Father do it. So this must be a divine journey. It must be a divine undertaking. It must be something that God wants Jesus to do. And so the disciples are right in the middle of God's will. I've heard so many times that, well, you know, wherever God leads, he provides. He does when faith trusts that he will. And, you know, if you're having problems, then you know what? It might not be God if you got trouble. Well, on the contrary, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers them out of them all. Through much tribulation shall we enter into the kingdom of God. Listen, the Christian walk is not a walk through the bed of roses. It is a battlefield that seeks to destroy man's soul, yet it seeks to cause him to give his soul into the hands of a caring father. So there is a war that is going on. And it's not an easy one. It is a struggle. When we get out of ourself and get in, when we get out of faith and get into ourself, we are going to struggle. And so we see every time that need is to reach out to the other side, as it was, Jesus said, let us go to the other side. He really invited them to go. Now, you would wonder, why did Jesus say that? Well, we all know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when Jesus tells those men, let us go to the other side, he is well aware that they need the confidence that they are on the steps ordered of God. How many of you know that it's important that we understand and that we adhere to that this is the way that God has directed me. Amen? I remember years ago, people say, oh, man, praise God, Pastor, we're behind you. One day I turned around, and they were so far behind me, I couldn't see them. That was a joke. You should have yeah, got a good chuckle. And understand that people will say, well, you know, God told me to do that. Two weeks later, Oh, no, I, I, I don't want to do that. I, I'm being led over here. Because people don't establish their goings and their comings. We need to make sure that our steps are ordered of the Lord. And when they're ordered of the Lord, how many of you know that we can walk in faith? But you can't walk in faith when every step that you take is questionable. You have to know. I'm in Bakken's not because there are not alternatives for me in life. Not that I'm so dumb I couldn't get a salesman job at Walmart. Not that I'm so stupid I couldn't be a greeter uh, in Menards. That's not why I'm here. I'm here because God said, I want you to be in Bakken's. That's why I'm here. I'm, I'm not here for the money. I'm not here for anything else. I'm here because God said, be here. Now, I don't have to check with God every week. Should I be here, God? Should I not be here? I never, ever question where God told me to be. I don't question what God wants me to do. I know what he's called me to do, where he's called me 
to do it. You know, sometimes when we constantly ask, 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 we start hearing voices that aren't God's. Amen? I've never had to ask God, you know, hey, God, did you call me? I've never had to ask him that. He told me one time, that's enough. Do you know that when you ask, babble, question, tell God, I, I just need for you to affirm, those are statements of unbelief in a God that when he speaks something, he doesn't alter his word. Amen? This is the crust of people being able to die in faith. We don't have to have, you know, God, is this my time? If you're next in the lion's lunch line, it's your time. Yeah, there you go. Hallelujah. All right. So then we see that Jesus said, let us go to the other side. This is what I like about God. And you and I need to get this seated in our heart. We are not to be shaken by sudden news, by changing winds that blow one way or to the other, or that we should be tossed about by every wind of doctrine, every change of voice. We are not to be like that. The Bible says that now these men let us go to the other side. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that that storm was a surprise to him that knoweth all? No, absolutely not. So if God knew that the storm was going to come, if he sent them into the storm with less equipment or less tools than it took to complete the journey, he would have destined them to death right? Absolutely. Jesus said it this way. In Luke, the 22nd chapter, verse 35, and he said unto them, when I sent you without purse, without scrip, without shoes, did you lack anything? And they said, nothing, Lord. Well, that's like us in everyday life. When God speaks to us to go to the other side, go here or go there, then we are to go, but what we have an ungirding of strength is that before we have ever started the journey, God has what we would call anointed us. The word anointed simply means he has equipped us with everything that is going to be faced in this journey. So you and I can be confident no matter where we are, that God has given us that which is needed to be successful on the other end. Why should we fear? No, the love of God that has perfected and provided for us in every way that is imaginable, that is the type of love that casts out fear. But when questions come up, because, well, the waves are coming. Well, welcome to the Christian life. Yeah, welcome to the Christian life. If somebody lied to you and told you that everything was going to be hunky-dory, they didn't tell you the truth. 
But in the midst of all your battles, Jesus will still bring you through if you stay with faith. Amen? All right, so I remember that a, a young lady came to me, and her and her husband, she said, Pastor, my daughter just cannot be saved. And uh, I was sitting at the table, and they were standing there, and I said, oh, I, don't, I, I think your daughter can be saved. I just don't think she ever has been saved. They said, oh, she's been to the altar lots of times. I've said, that doesn't make people saved. What makes people saved is if they hear the gospel. And the gospel back then, at the church that they were going to, I was going to it also, was a church that all they taught was blessing and betterment and uh, enlargement and increase. Don't that sound wonderful? That, that does sound wonderful. Not everybody gets that. Remember, Melanie read a scripture, you shall have the poor with you always. That doesn't mean that the poor are lazy. It means that there is a conflict of interest in this earth. Satan against man, man striving for God's best. It doesn't mean that poor people are lazy, that they don't have faith. That's not true at all. But not everybody reaches the end of the pinnacle and gets the reward of faith. It is a fight. Yes, God wants everybody to reach there. But there's lots of things that keep people from reaching there. Maybe a bad life, maybe a tragedy, maybe a violent attack or whatever it might be that would steal their faith that they could not believe that God wanted something good for them. I remember somebody told me, well, well, you know, God, your father loves you. And I said, well, you know, that might be. But you know what? I had a father that came home once every two or three weeks and the only way that we knew he was home was my mother was pregnant. He wasn't there for food. He wasn't there when we needed heat. He wasn't there when the electric got turned off or the phone got turned off. He wasn't there. So for you to tell me God loves me like my father, I thought that ain't much because I never had a father's love. And if you had a father's love, you ought to be very grateful, very grateful that you had somebody that you could experience somewhat the touch of God in your life. Now, God gives us these things knowing that storms are going to come, but he equips you for every storm, every storm. The Bible says, don't get discouraged when tribulations come because those tribulations are common to all men. And when they come, God makes a way of escape so that you can bear it or so that you can come out from under it. You know, there's nothing that attacks us to defeat our faith that we cannot come out from under and be victorious through. I'm just telling you. And sometimes we think that, 
maybe, you know, things are too hard or things are too heavy. Nothing's too heavy that you cannot bear it and be successful on the other end. Could again, amen. So we have to understand that when these, when we go out, one of the first things the devil does is prepares opposition. Amen? You know, I, I will tell you this, that tribulations in the body of Christ and in life overall would not be much if there were not other people in the world. People say, well, do you fight in your marriage? Well, we could stop it if Phyllis wasn't in it. But if she or anybody else is in it, there's going to be conflict. Lady told me one time, said, my husband and I never fight. I said, I noticed that. He gets up and leaves the room. You can't fight by yourself, can you? I hear some of your wives saying, he does. I leave the room, he talks to himself. Well, that's a one-sided battle. Then I see in this passage of Scripture that there were other little ships with them. What happened to those little ships in the storm? It would insinuate to me that Jesus was on a big ship. But these other little ships were with him. What happened to them in the storm? It doesn't tell us. It doesn't say that debris from ships or small boats uh, washed up. It doesn't say that bodies floated to the beach. It doesn't say anything. But what I do want to bring out is whatever your faith does not deal with that comes against you, it will affect other people that are in your sphere of relationship. We have to use our faith when storms come up because if they are not dealt with, they will just hover there. They've made an entrance, they've made an attempt, and if we don't deal with it, they will affect the other little ships that are with us. In other words, if you discern that something is not of God and you don't use your faith to deal with it, you have automatically stepped back and gave it place. Anybody understand that? If you don't deal with it, you automatically give it place. How many of you, do any of you have a, them little lizards around your house? Anybody have little lizards? You do? You, you, them little devils? Now, I haven't seen one, but I hear this. Ah! What's going on? I just seen a lizard run across the, the deck. Well, did he get in the house? No. He said, well, why are you screaming? Well, they're, well they're, they're just here. Okay. So now I have to find out how to get rid of those lizards. 
If I don't, you know what's going to happen? They're one day going to find each other, and one's going to be a male and a female. And they're going to have little lizards, little, yep, little lizards. And then I'll be hearing, ah, 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 all the time. So what is my plan of victory? Anybody know how to kill them? Anybody know how to get rid of them? Nobody? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm telling you, I thought they were just in Florida. But somebody that went to Florida, brought one back, now they're everywhere. I didn't even know they were here. Till Phyllis said, yes, we've got them. I said, oh, we do not. Yes, we do. So, here is my plan. In order to stop, ah! I'm going to buy these sticky mouse pads. You know that they get stuck on? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to lay them on my porch. Hopefully when Phyllis goes out there, the wind don't blow and her be covered with sticky track. But <laughs> that would be worth it. But let's just say that I, that's not going to happen. But I'm going to try to catch those lizards on that sticky paper. Well, what are you going to do with them then? Close your eyes and let your imagination go wild. I'm not going to tie them to a stake and burn them. I'm not going to do that. Absolutely not. But I'm not saying that I won't drop them, taking them to the field and step on the unsticky part. But I'm just telling you, pretty soon there is going to be word that gets out in lizard language. That is a house of murder. And then they won't be around me anymore. But if I don't contend with those, I even read on the internet, they come into your house. They get into your pantry. Who in the world wants to go to put their underwear on one day and find something moving in it? Not me. I don't, I don't want to be that person. So... If you don't deal with something, if you discern, please listen to me. If you don't discern and recognize who is bringing the attack onto your life, what's going to happen is you will step back and give it place. The Bible says Jesus came and destroyed the works of the devil. Well, can you destroy the works of the devil that have launched themselves against you and is attacking those that are around you? Yes, you can. Don't doubt your authority, but please use it. Use it. Too many of us don't use what God has given us. Amen? And it's then Jesus says these words. He says, where is thy faith? Evidently, he expected them to have it because it had been put in them just as it had been put in him when he heard, go to the other side. And every place that God is leading you, you have faith. Every place that God is leading you, you have been anointed and equipped 
to be successful no matter what comes your way. Another rendition or interpretation of where is your faith, it is this, why didn't you use your faith? Why didn't you use your faith? I think that that is a better interpretation than where is your faith? Because so many of us are faith-filled. Yet, we always pull back from using our faith. Let's stop pulling back and let's start tearing down. Amen? Amen. None of the things that, that were there was caused by God, but Satan. And Satan came to stop their obedience to Christ. Let us go to the other side. Why are you so fearful? Why are you so inactive in your faith? There is nothing wrong with your faith. Nothing. Nothing. It keeps you saved every day. Amen? It keeps you testifying. It keeps you singing. It keeps you sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. So please, use your faith. Faith unused simply ends up with journeys never completed, with healings never experienced, with needs never met, with deliverances never brought forth, with breakthroughs or breakouts never ever manifest. And the sharing of your faith is unseen. Now, you have faith. You have it for the journey that you are going to run into. And if you will use your faith, not only will you stop the storms that are coming against your journey, but you will stop that storm that is wanting to be released in the lives of those that are around you. We have a great responsibility because we are the ones that can stop the devil. So, and I know a lot of us, I haven't been saved that long. I've only been saved about 42 and a half years. That, I don't think that's long. I don't know. How, how, how long you been saved, David? Two weeks? No, no. How, how long you been saved? About 35 years. Uh, Ron? How many? Since 1956. 76. Okay. So you were the second one saved after Moses. All right. How about you, Rich? How long you been saved? About 50 years. 50 years. Mike? About 60 years. How about you, Ella? You were born saved? You're in your 70s? When eight years old. Well, you haven't lost track. You know how old you are. 
Hallelujah. So, people have been saved a long time. Now, I don't consider myself an expert in anything except what to do wrong. Because Phyllis tells me, you're wrong, you're wrong, and I'm always learning. Now, we have faith, but sometimes we get familiar with what we have, and we kind of get nonchalant with what we can do. And we begin to shirk our duties. We see our kids go, well, you know, they'll learn. Well, but you still could help them. Amen? And you still could stop the devil from destroying their life. And you realize that when the devil is coming against you, if he thinks his plan can destroy your faith, he's banking on theirs being destroyed also. Amen? And so we can't get just lackadaisical. Life is too short, and the things that God has given you, like your children, the inheritance of faith, all of that stuff is far too important to just let the devil destroy. Don't forget who you are. You are a child of God. Don't forget who you are. You are known by the devil. Don't forget who you are. You're a mountain mover. You're a blessing giver. You're a devil master. You're a storm calmer. Because you have faith. Amen. Praise God. Eric, hey, Eric, could I want to take a couple questions? Please just uh, kind of directed towards faith. Uh, do anybody have any questions on faith? Kind of keep it centered or focused on faith tonight. Anybody? Oh, Eric got some. So, I've been saved six years, but I and I have I have faith. Yep. What do you do when you try to encourage like a family member? There's something going on with a family member, and I and I tell them. You just have to have faith. And then they come back at me with, well, I don't understand why God let this happen. Why would he let this happen? I said, because there's evil in the world, and those people that aren't following the Lord are following the world. But you just have to have faith that God is working and he's moving. So I get that negative feedback a lot. So what do I do? Do I shut my mouth and just not say anything? Well, sometimes Tammy is... Everybody is not saved. So if we throw pearls before swines, I'm, and I'm not telling you your relatives are swine. I, I tell you Phyllis's are, but not yours. But sometimes they don't know. So their perspective is they aren't in relationship with God, so they don't have faith. Second Thessalonians 3.2. Wicked and unreasonable men don't have faith. 
but you understand that they don't have faith, but all they have are statements that are false against a just God. And so it's far bigger than just if they had faith. It's that, well, why did God allow this? Well, God didn't allow it. You know, your explanation was great. There are people in the world that are wicked and there is a devil in the world that is trying to destroy and deceive and everybody thinks that everything that happens is God's fault, but they never give him praise for any of the good stuff. You know, even insurance companies, you know, this is an act of the Lord. Well, I looked out the window, I didn't see no God standing out there ripping my porch furniture off. So we, we always blame it on someone else. And that is the world's view of God. Why did God let this happen? Why did God do? Why, did, why are there hungry people in the world? And so those things, unless they are born again, they don't have faith. They say they are. Are they? I would like to believe so. Okay. But I don't see it. Then what they need to do is get into the scriptures and find out how to use faith. Do I back off? I would when they try to ask questions that you may not be able to, you know, just sum up. Or you say, uh, well, you know what? The, maybe the answer would be, well, what does the Bible say about that? I tend to make them mad when I say you just have to have faith. Yeah. Because that's what I know. And that's, that's the truth. Like, I know. Just yeah. have the faith. You know so. that you know that you know. Yes. Right. And that's okay. the roots of faith. Okay, thank you. You know, I, I remember, uh, you know, when I, when I got born again, nobody around me believed. Nobody encouraged me in faith. I just said, man, there's got to be more to God than just kneeling. And I said, I'm going to find out who God is. And I've, I've made a lot of mistakes. But you know what? That's still... When all is said and done, I still believe what I believed 42 and a half years ago. I haven't changed one iota. Not at all. I still believe what I believe. All right. Another one, Eric? Nobody's got any questions. Oh, there's John. John... John, John, John Hall. What you got, John? I was actually sitting there trying to figure out how to word this, but an activation of your faith would trust and believe in God in the beginning of an activation of your faith? Believing is a persuasion that we then use faith on. Trust is one of the synonyms of faith okay. rely on cast yourself upon and uh, yeah those words absolutely have to do with somebody would say I trust in Jesus that would mean they have faith in God okay. and there are going to be there are lots of people folks that are born again Tammy that just don't grow in their faith they've had a legit, legitimate conversion but they don't grow in their faith. 
And that has to be a focus. That has to be a persuasion. People are strong in different areas. Some people, man, they, they never get sick. I mean, they just walk in healing. But then another person walks in prosperity. We can walk in it all, but we put our emphasis on certain things. But usually when you're faced with something, that's when you put yourself out there with your faith. There we go. Yep. So, and, every, and we all do that. So, all righty. All right, stand to your feet. Praise God forever. Hallelujah. Jesus. Sunday, I'm starting a new series. You'll be excited. Hallelujah. The devil won't, but you will. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, God, that you share and broke forth the bread of life. I thank you, God, that we caught glimpses of things that we can do to be more successful in the journey of faith, the life of obedience. God, I ask you to bless every family that's here, every unit, every business, God. Bless them, increase them in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Praise God.